0: My name is Libby, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Engage Network. This is the second message from the series, Who Made God? In this four-week series, we'll discuss four different versions of God which don't actually exist. They're fabrications people often want to believe about the nature of God. But when we start to put God in a box, we create our own ideas about Him and what He's supposed to do for us. This week, Pastor Brett is sharing a brand new message called The Killjoy God. We are in week number two of who made God, who made God. All across North America, all across really uh, the developed world, we are seeing an overall drop in the number of people who, you know, in those random surveys that would profess to be uh, a Christian, but not only, in, not only Christianity, but across uh, the board, and religiosity is actually dropping at astronomical rates. Now, some people might get mad at me, but I actually, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with people being less religious. I'm okay with people rejecting God because I'm sure I'm actually convinced that people are not actually rejecting God like we think they are. I think that what is happening right across the board is people have been rejecting the version of God that they have created, and they don't like it. See, most of us wrestle with this idea of God, but if we're being really, 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 really honest, For most of us, over time, whether we knew it or not, we actually started cherry picking the best parts of God that we liked. And in doing so, we created a God made in our image. See, David in scripture is known as a man after God's own heart. But sometimes I think we struggle with the idea that we are following a God that's a God after our own heart. And that's just not going to (laughs) work. That's not just going to work because we're following him. He's not following us. Last week, we talked about the idea of an on-demand God. God doesn't prove his love for you when he answers your prayer. God proved his love for you when he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross 2000 years ago paid the price so we you and I could have a personal relationship with Jesus this is not about religion it's about relationship a one on one personal relationship with Jesus Christ so I'm going to flash back to the Old Testament to 1 Samuel I'm going to drop us into the middle of an account and then I'll give you some background 1 Samuel 5 verse 4 and 5 if you're ready say I'm ready, I'm ready. perfect I know you're paying attention because there's nothing to read okay but the next morning the same thing happened Dagon had fallen face down before the ark of the Lord again. This time his head, hands had broken off and were laying in the doorway. Only the trunk of his body was left intact. That is why to this day, neither the priests of Dagon know, nor anyone who enters the temple of Dagon in Ashdod will step on its threshold. Let me give you some Context: The Philistines, who's familiar with David and Goliath? Anyone familiar with David and Goliath? David was an Israelite. He was following uh, God, the same God that we're following today. They would know him as Yahweh. New Testament context, we would know him as Jesus. The Philistines at this time were following a whole slew of gods, one of their gods being Dagon. And what what happened in the Old Testament is that the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, would actually rest and live in the middle of camp he literally like live with the people uh and, and they had this this box called the ark of the covenant if you've watched uh, indiana jones you know what i'm talking about they've got this ark of the covenant and the holy spirit would literally rest there, god's presence he's like listen i'm i am where this thing is and in battle the israelites lost god they lost the Ark of the Covenant. They lost this Holy Spirit. And the Philistines captured it. And so they took it to their temple. They put it in the temple next to all the rest of their gods. Because they're like, listen, I mean, this is a box. It's an idol. We'll just worship this just like our, our our idol over here. So their god, Dagon, really was kind of like the best comparison I can make. Not that it's a direct correlation by any stretch of the imagination. But it's essentially a totem pole with arms and legs coming out of it. And so in their... In their In their temple, they had this big image of their God, Dagon. And for day after day after day, every time the priests came in to the temple, their God had fallen over. Every day. As long as the Ark of the Covenant was there, as long as the Spirit of God was there, their other gods' statues just fell over. This time, it fell over. And then it broke off all the limbs. And people started getting nervous. And then... The longer that it stayed in any town, everyone in that town got hit with a plague of tumors and got sick. So they started moving this spirit of God, the Ark of the Covenant, to different towns. And then people started getting freaked out about the power of God because they're like, wow, I think this thing is real. I think God is alive and he's literally eating us alive. Like, what do we do with this thing? So eventually they just moved it to some far off place and left it. They were freaked out by it now sometimes we think this idea of following a god that's either like a, a big idol like a stick or last week we talked about you know the, the golden calf we kind of think that that's like a, a strange idea that there would just be this big gold idol and, and we just worship it but we've created idols all across our own life mm-hmm. we've got things that we worship you know in Edmonton we're 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 really great at worshiping losing teams the Edmonton <laughs> Oilers We worship Connor McDavid. McJesus, some might say. Well, he is failing uh, at an epic level. I mean, I love him, but God needs to do something. But the reality is when we start thinking about this idea, who made God, the answer is, I did. I made my own God. Maybe it's, uh, you're really into business. Maybe it's entrepreneurialism. Entrepreneurialism has become your God. Maybe it's motivation. You can't help but when you walk into a chapter move over that self-help section and get the next thing. Because you just need to get your fix and I need to get my next idea. Maybe for some of us it's food. (laughs) Man, I just need to have that next thing and I need to go to the next restaurant. Always the newest. We always put these things in between and without even realizing we don't understand that we're following a God of our own making. So what we're looking at and we've started looking at over these next four weeks is who may God I did. What are the things in my life that I just need to weed out of the garden of my heart, if you would, because they're getting in between me and the one true God and who he really is. Sometimes our idol of God is actually not a bad thing. It's just our misinterpretation of scripture. Last week we talked about the on-demand God. This week we're talking about the kill joy God. If you're going to be a Christian, your life is going to be boring and it's going to suck. That's kind of just a, it's a bit of a perception. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I mean. so I was like a hardcore Christian teenager. Uh, you know, I'm like, I'm like a, a church kid, church rat there all the time. I, and I wouldn't even go to Christian club at high school because those guys are losers, man. I don't want to watch VeggieTales on every lunch break. Like, it's just like not what I want to do with my life. Like I'm glad that you wanted to do that and, that, and if you did that at school, I apologize, but you needed to do better. And <laughs> there's this overall perception about Christianity that if you're going to follow Jesus, your life is going to suck, and there's just a whole bunch of rules, and it's just you know obligatory, and, and you just can't do anything fun. And you, we also have this other reputation. Uh, I've been going to the same uh, barber for a long time, seven years. Eventually she'll be out of work. And um, <laughs> we were talking we were talking one day and, and her I'm not gonna tell you who it is you'll figure it out. So there's a business neighbor in relation to her business who happens to be owned by Christians. And she's known I'm a pastor and she's like this close to following Jesus. And she's like, Hey, can while well, she cut of my hair and has a weapon. She's like, Hey, can I ask you a question? I'm like, Yeah, sure, ask me whatever you need. She's like, how come other Christians suck? <laughs> She's like, you're fine. I'm like, but I've got these neighbors, and they're really, like, they're super judgy. They're difficult to work with. They, they just put off this air of, like, I'm better than you. And every conversation I have, I just walk away feeling bad about myself, and we're literally talking about, like, our businesses. And I don't understand what that is. So we got to deal with this idea of of Christians because sometimes the way people see Christians, we automatically think that's who God is. You know, God is not judgy. God is loving. He's patient. He's kind. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. The next one, he says, God did not come. Jesus did not come to judge. He He came to save. There will be a time when we, you know, stand before the Lord. And that's a whole other message, but we're not called to be judgy people who are holier than thou, who are saying, listen, this is right and this is wrong. What we need to probably stop doing as Christians is projecting our sense of morality on people who do not know Jesus. Because if we're being really, really honest about it, how do we expect somebody who's not following Jesus to follow Jesus? The things that we do aren't so much rules as much As we are in a relationship and you do things for the person that you're in a relationship with i watch the worst movies because i like to stay married (laughs) those those christmas w on w christmas movies literally our pvr like crashed out and i'm so thankful because that means all those things are gone that curse has left my house but you do things because you love somebody. There's a difference between Christianity and religion. You see, religion is man-made rules which try to please God. But we cannot please God. We can't, it's impossible to please God by following rules. Spoiler alert. See, religion focuses on the external rather than the internal. You should probably be writing notes today since you've got nothing else to do with your phone today. Religion focuses on the external rather than the internal. Jesus cares more about who you are than how you behave. Because if we're following Jesus, one step at a time, we're in a relationship that trickles down into how I live my life. We don't start with behavior modification because if we only live a life based on behavior modification, then we're living in a world of moralism. That's not a real faith. We're just putting faith in the rules, not faith. In Jesus. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 23. If you don't believe me, just listen to the words of Jesus. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will also be clean. In other words... Stop putting on a show to, to, to show everybody how close to God you are. And why don't we wrestle with the things in our hearts and take a step closer to Jesus? It's not about what my optics are. Like, man, I, I probably shouldn't be seen in this sitting in this restaurant with these people because if I do that, then people are going to think less of me. Or you could say, hey, this is my friend who's hurting who's wounded, who needs some help, who needs some love, and I don't care what anybody thinks about this. I'm following Jesus. Asterix, you use wisdom and discretion because there's not all places that's always appropriate. But it's not about following the rules. It's about following Jesus, having a one-on-one relationship. So if, if, if then we, we just clear, clear the deck, Christianity is not about following rules. So if it's not about following rules, then the only reason we're boring is because we have boring personalities.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry. I apologize
0: to you. If you're boring, it's your own fault. It's not Jesus' fault. The reality is there, there's a gap between us and God, and religion attempts to close the gap with human efforts, with things that I can do. And this is not a new thing. We, we do this by imposing all kinds of morality clauses. The old, the, in the Old Testament, this happened right after Ezra and Nehemiah in the Old Testament. They're like, oh, there's a lot of rules. We should probably like, do something to help people with these rules. And so instead of like, just like explaining it, they just added 600 more. In an 800-page volume. And it was canonized in the third century called The Mission. And they're like, hey, this is going to help people. How about we add 600 more man-made laws to help people understand the laws of God? That doesn't, that's, that's stupid. (laughs) Matthew 23, verse 3. Don't follow the example of the Pharisees, for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with the unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. If you are more focused, or if we are as people, I'm not going to put this on you, I'm putting this on me too. If I am more focused on making somebody follow a rule than I am about easing their burden of life, I am doing Christianity wrong. And I'm doing, I'm doing wrong by Jesus because I'm putting that face to somebody else. Now, we all struggle with this idea at times. We're like, wow, I don't, I don't think people should judge all of Christianity by me because we don't and the reason why we think that is because we don't want people to judge Christianity by other Christians. <laughs> We're like, that's not a good example. But the truth is, whether we like it or not, we have to come to terms with the idea that when people see you, people see Jesus. So there's a weight and there's a responsibility there. But who is Jesus? Well, I'm so glad you asked. The bad news is, you cannot make God happy by following rules. The good news is, Jesus changes everything. No amount of life hacks or technicalities or loopholes will get you closer to God. Only a personal relationship with Him works. Here's the first point for today. It's, and, it's, and it's good news. You cannot earn God's acceptance by obeying the rules. I'm just going to let that sink in for a moment. You cannot earn God's acceptance by obeying the rules. This is Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Again, don't take my word for it. This is what the Bible says. The Apostle Paul writing, the church in Rome, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Religion says you please God by your works. It says, hey, religion says don't be Don't be a bad person. Be a good person. If you're a good person, then if you're a good person long enough, you can earn your way into a relationship with God. And see, we we actually understand this behavior really well because as parents, we do this to our kids all the time. Hey, if you do this thing, you're going to get candy. Oh, that's only me. Hey, you can can get that screen time on that device for 30 minutes if you will do those things. Now, it works pretty well with behavior modification, but it only works up to a certain point until your kid can start asking why. (laughs) Then you have to have an answer. You have to have a reason. And right now, I'm in the phase where I'm like, because I said so, that's why, son. But eventually, I'm going to have to have more than that, right? Like, eventually... Our relationship grows, our knowledge grows, his knowledge grows, and we have to have more than just these are the rules because eventually if he only lives by the rules and lives closely tightly by them, eventually something will come and shake up the rules and shake up the apple cart, shake up his life, and he'll be going like, I just want the stability of my rules, and then I've failed because we need to have a system by which we can process life. We don't process our faith. We don't process life. By our adherence to the rules, we process it by following Jesus. Here's the second thing. The purpose of the law is to show you your need of a savior. There's all those rules and all those laws. Now, I think we need to keep in mind, in the Old Testament, if, is, anyone, uh, is anyone doing like a read your Bible in one year? Anyone try that? One person, okay, terrifying. Uh, we should probably try, more of us should try that. Uh, just a pastoral note, please read your Bible on your own. Um, but sometimes we get to like Leviticus and we're like, oh, I'm, I'm done. Like it's over. Like don't eat shellfish, I don't understand. And I'm like, well, that's because that's if you want to live, you don't eat shellfish because shellfish are gross. But for all of you who do like to eat them, it's fine, Disobey God. But um, <laughs> if we think about why... We just have to understand why those, those laws and those rules existed, okay? If we understand the Old Testament law, Now, this is, this is theology kind of 101, and, and I'm going to try and break it down as best I can. We have two sections, Old Testament, New Testament. We actually shouldn't call them Old Testament, New Testament. We should probably call them Old Covenant, New Covenant, because it's, it's a New Covenant. It's not actually about where the pages are divided. It's about where Jesus steps in. And see, when Jesus steps in, He is the fulfillment of the law. Everything is, is fulfilled, and we kind of live in this new era. And He says, "Listen, there's one amazing command: love your neighbor as yourself, and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and all that is within you." It's like I've I've rewritten the rules. He's like all those rules, all those laws in the old covenant can be summed up by that one statement. Like, oh, okay, that's crazy. So why did those exist? Because they didn't live in the first 21st century. They didn't live in the first century. They lived in a society that had no order. Had nomadic tribes and cultures with no rules, regulations, laws, anything. Jesus, literally God created a framework out of nothing for what society looks like. If, if, I don't know if you've ever read, has anyone read a bylaw before? And you're like, wow, there's a lot in here. Our city councilors probably don't read them enough. But <laughs> only speaking of Spruce Grove, of course. Because there's a lot of information packed in they're like, you're like, I don't understand all these, these rules and bylaws. Like, so we go, oh, wow, that's a lot of rules that God put in the amount of, of honestly, if we're being talking really honestly, the amount of laws that God put in the old covenant, which to us is onerous and burdensome because it is because it's actually impossible to fulfill the law, literally actually impossible. Those numbers pale in comparison to like two subsections of a city first growth Grove bylaw. <laughs> I'm not joking. So we actually have come to appreciate law. Why? Because law gives us a sense of freedom and order and justice. It gives us a way to live and a basis of how to live in a free society. For a free society, we've got a lot of non freedoms you could say, based on the rule of law. So what God was doing when he created those laws was showing people how to live and showing them a pathway to, pathway to life. Like, and it was pretty simple. He's like, hey, guys, please don't go to bathroom in the camp. Like, go use another spot. Let's stop disease. That sounds like a good law. Like, still, good law. <laughs> hey, guys, don't eat this type of food Because at this time and at this era in history, you don't know how to properly prepare it. Because though that creativity will come, though that knowledge will come, right now it will kill you. So how about you don't eat it? Let's talk about tattoos for a minute. Because we're all so hung up on tattoos. You know, one of the reasons why they didn't have tattoos back then was because you would have gotten an infection and it would have killed you. So those rules were there to actually preserve life. So now we look at it through a lens of Jesus and we go, oh, if there's a rule, even though Jesus said, I'm the fulfillment of it. Listen, all you need to do is follow me. And if you follow me, you will find real life. All those rules and all those laws that we could never live up, live up to simply show us how much we need Jesus. Because we could never live up to the weight of all those rules and regulations. And this is where it gets dicey because people are like, wait, are you calling me a sinner? Yeah. Well, I don't like it when you call me that. That's fine. Let's just do a quick survey. Have you ever lied before by a show of hands? Great. Has anyone stolen anything before? Just by a show of hands. Perfect. Let's get super awkward. Has anyone lusted before? (laughs) Cool. So I'm talking to a room full of lying, thieving, adulterers, and... And that's awesome because I'm a good person until I can see myself as a as a sinner and then I understand how desperately I'm in need of a savior. But God's not coming to condemn me. He's coming to set me free. And with a relationship with him, I'm no longer under that weight of obligation that I cannot fulfill. But instead, I live in life. We took communion today to remind ourselves of the sacrifice and the price that he paid that I could have life in life more abundant and an eternal life. But unless I understand that I'm in need of a savior, I will never understand how desperately uh, I'm a sinner. I'll never understand how desperately I'm in need of a savior. Yeah. Number three, Clayton, please come because our technical difficulties set us back. Number three, let's clear this up. Being right with God comes by f- faith in Jesus alone. Okay? Being right with God only comes through Jesus. This is Romans 3.22. Again, please don't take my word for it. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. How do we access this? Romans also says those who believe in their heart and confess with their mouth. But it only happens through Jesus. It doesn't happen through your attitude, though it could be improved doesn't happen through you checking all the boxes and following all the rules. It simply happens by putting our hope, our faith in Jesus Christ, having a real and an active relationship with him where we just trust him and follow him one step at a time. Religion complicates things. Jesus simplifies things. He says, hey, why don't you just follow them? one step at a time thanks so much for taking the time to listen we're continuing on with the series next week talking about the goosebumps god